You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. They have forgotten that they are pilgrims on the earth, that this really isn't our home. We're just passing through for a season. We're traveling through to heaven. They're more concerned about mansions here and now than about their homes that Jesus promised us in eternity. And as a consequence, they become so involved in the cares of life that they are of little or no value in the Lord's service. Are you too heavenly-minded to be any earthly good? Sorry, it's a trick question. The answer is no. As Pastor Mike will clarify in today's message, it simply isn't possible to think too much about the eternal home that Jesus has promised us. When you direct your focus towards eternal rewards instead of temporary earthly treasures, it naturally draws you towards glorifying your Savior in heaven by living a life of compassion, grace, and generosity towards the people around you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 as he continues his message, Magnificent Promise. anyone's work is burned, he will suffer a loss, but he himself, notice, will be saved, yet so as though through uh, fire. So, the one who receives the reward is the faithful uh, believer, who has spent his time serving the Lord, living for the Lord. The one saved, yet by fire, in contrast, the believer, notice, who enters into Christ's presence empty-handed. So there's one who has an abundant entry, and then there's one who enters into heaven empty-handed, who carelessly lived for himself, who really is not a servant, who had no concern for the loss, but notice here, both are in heaven. But here's the question. Who will hear those words that every one of us, I'm sure, uh, wants to hear, when we stand in the presence of the Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So I hope that when we stand before the Lord, there'll be no regrets, there'll be no uh, shame. I don't know what the situation will be, you know. But again, we want to have that abundant entry. But I do know this. Some people re receive, according to our text, greater rewards for their labor and faithfulness. So, this being the case, we need to think about the future. I mean, time passes so quickly. 
And we only have one go around, only one opportunity. We need to seize those opportunities. As God opens those doors, we need to step uh, through them. We need to spend our time wisely serving the Lord, making that investment in his kingdom to further his uh, kingdom. So let me ask you, have we really been living for Christ? Have we been sacrificing for him? Gang, it's not too uh, late. You know, what Jesus said in John's Gospel in chapter 12 and verse 24, and I think it applies appropriately here, he said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. So, would you produce much fruit for God with the hope of an abundant entry into glory? What do we need to do? We need to die. That is, die to self. Die to our flesh. Die to all that turns us from Christ and his service. So listen, let me encourage you at this very moment. Commit your entire self to Jesus. Let him be more than just a name that is on your lips. Let him be the Lord of your life. Chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Peter tells us there, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. That is, the things that precede our text uh, this evening. All of the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of uh, weeks. Uh, To remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right. As long as I am in this tent, this tabernacle, this body of flesh, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus showed me, speaking of his martyrdom, how that the Lord was soon going to take him home. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Now, let me begin by sharing a little bit of information with you. Psychologists tell us that man never really forgets anything, that all we have learned is stored away somewhere in the back of our minds. And i got to tell you something, I, I think I subscribe to that uh, saying. Because, I'm, you know, I mean, think about it, all of us, you know, out of the blue, out of nowhere, you know, memories have a way of just popping up. And we think, well, where did that come from? Or, and, you know, we go back to a certain period of time in our lives and, oh, yeah, I remember that. Or, or I remember that experience. Or I remember something that I uh, learned. You see, the problem, however, seems to be in retrieving that knowledge. Having immediate access to knowledge in time of need is absolutely, absolutely critical in making decisions. And its absence can be actually devastating. But the loss of certain knowledge in our Christianity can even be more critical and dangerous. And so that's what Peter is dealing with here in this section of his epistle. Notice Peter recognized this truth. And notice here also, in three times, he uses the word remind in a couple of different forms. Uh, Remind, reminder, reminding, remembrance. It's all according to what translation you're Uh, reading out of verses 12 through 15. He uses that word remind three times. Now, why did he do that? Well, because Peter knows that for the Christian, there are some things that must never be lost in the storehouse of our minds. 
certain truths we must keep in the forefront of our thinking always. For example, the things that preceded our text this evening, verses 1 through 11, all of what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. And uh, what were some of those things that we were talking about? Well, verses 1 through 11 is all about growing in our walk in our relationship with the Lord, abounding in grace, abounding in power, never stumbling or falling. So these are the things to be considered and reconsidered according to uh, Peter. Notice there in verse 12, he says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. All of what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. You see, I want to be a faithful servant of the Lord. And thus this involves more than importing new truth. It demands reminding of the old truths as well. But isn't it interesting how people clamor for the new, the unusual, and the sensational? But the re-emphasis of the old truth must never be neglected nor forgotten. So, don't forget the fundamental truths of the precious faith. Notice the way that Peter refers to the precious uh, faith that we possess there in verse 1, which we have received in Jesus Christ. Yes, tell it in new, creative, and relevant ways and styles, but don't neglect it. Now, notice, and I think that this is significant, Peter says here in our text, even though you know them, all of the things that Peter has been exhorting us about, instructing us about the foundations of our Christian uh, faith, even though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Notice the latter part of verse uh, 12. That's what Peter uh, tells us. And I guess you need to uh, be reminded of what Peter is dealing with uh, here. These were Christians that he's addressing who had become lethargic, who had become uh, worldly. You see, it is possible, even after knowing the central foundational truths of Christianity, to still stumble and fall into error. For example, Paul came up against this very thing uh, there at the church in Galatia. And in the book of Galatians in chapter 3, in verses 1 through 3, we read, and the problem was there that the uh, believers there in that uh, church were in danger of going back to a uh, legalistic kind of a walk in a relationship with God based upon their performance in keeping the Old Testament law rather than just enjoying uh, the grace uh, that God has provided for us in the person of Jesus Christ. They, th they believe that their salvation was based upon works and not by grace through the operation of faith. So anyway, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, and verses 1 through 3, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. He died in our place uh, for our sin. He became sin for us who knew no sins. And through that one act, we're justified uh, by faith in him because of what he had done for us in our place, dying on that cross. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the uh, flesh? Okay, so 
That's what Paul was dealing with here as he addresses the church there in Galatia. You see, they failed to emphasize and re-emphasize the fundamentals of uh, faith, which they already knew, which they had already been taught, which at one time they had already subscribed to. What was that? That they were saved by grace through the operation of faith in Christ and not by works. Listen, you know, if you think about it, this is absolutely another reason why we need to constantly be in church, because it's there that we put in, are, are put in remembrance of all of these things. In the book of Hebrews, for example, the writer of that book of the Bible exhorts us in chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That is, in the coming, Jesus coming back for uh, his church. So we need to be plugged in to, if we are uh, expecting to stay strong. It'll help us to keep our heads on straight. But let me warn you, Satan will do whatever he can do to keep you out of fellowship. All of the different reasons, all of the different excuses that people offer why they haven't continued to stay in fellowship, to attend church services. Listen, gang, if we are to maintain progress in our Christian experience that is going forward onto maturity, we need the help of the teaching ministry of the church to put us in remembrance of the truths of God's wonderful word. And notice Peter here, and he expresses it uh, in this uh, way here in this portion of scripture. Peter, until his dying day, in verse 13, he says, will give himself to this teaching ministry. Notice, which involves stirring up the hearers. Now, that word, that phrase, to stir up, can literally be translated. And this is what a teaching ministry is all about. This is the effect that a teaching ministry has upon its uh, people. That phrase, stir up, can also be translated, awaken, arouse, render active, and stimulate. So all of those things are the effects that a teaching ministry has upon the hearers. So it is Peter's intention to get Christians fired up. And how are they fired up? Through the study and the teaching and the meditation upon God's Word. So let me ask you this question. Are you fired up? Am I fired up? Are we alive for God or are we lethargic and sleeping? You know, there's this story. One night, a certain church building caught on fire. All the people of that little town hurried out to see it. The pastor was there. He was shaking hands with various people around the perimeter. Uh, surprised, he said to one fellow, Brother, this is the first time I have ever seen you at church. Well, the man replied sarcastically, Preacher, this is the first time your church has ever been on fire. Gang, listen, when a church gets on fire, and I'm not talking about literally, but I'm talking about spiritually, you know, energized, on fire because of the study of God's uh, Word, the effect that it has upon their hearts, the people will usually come. We need to get on fire. Our leaders of our churches need to get on fire. And if we do, people will come to see you burn brightly for Jesus. 
You see, when the fire of God's word begins to burn in our hearts, we can be sure we shall burn for the Lord. The Holy Spirit fire burning within us. And what will be the result of that? What will be the fruit of that? Will there be a more genuine concern for personal holiness and reaching the lost? I believe that those are the specific two effects uh, that that has upon uh, the hearers of God's word. And listen, don't be afraid of this kind of zeal. Uh, Paul, writing to that same uh, church there in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 18, he reminds us that it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And also remember that Christianity is not only all about fellowship, but it's a battle. We're engaged in this warfare, spiritual warfare, the powers of God against the powers of darkness. And we're that battlefield. So what do we need to do? We need to get into the fight. Because without zeal, no battle has ever been won. There's no time to lose. There's no time to surrender ourselves. We need to completely give ourselves uh, to Jesus at this very moment. Because there's a war to be won, gang, and it must be won at once, or it will soon be lost. So we need to stand up. We need to be counted. We need to be impassioned with the same zeal that impelled Jesus to go to the cross for us. And if we meet these conditions, you can be sure that victory is assured. So once again, I want to remind you that Christianity is not all about fellowship, but it's also about a fierce battle that all of us as Christians are engaged in. Now what Peter is saying here, notice, go back to our text, he's saying with a tremendous urgency. He writes as a dying man addressing a dying uh, people. You see, Peter realized, as did Paul, that in this world we are those of us who love uh, Jesus, who love the Lord, have no certain dwelling place. And that's the way Paul puts it uh, in his letter to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 11, that believers, Christians, have no certain dwelling uh, place. Peter refers to this as living in a, a tent. Notice there in verse 13. So ours then is a mere tent existence. The sad tragedy with some Christians today is that they have forgotten that they are pilgrims on the earth, that this really isn't our home. We're just passing through for a season. We're traveling through to heaven. They're more concerned about mansions here and now than about their homes that Jesus promised us in eternity. And as a consequence, they become so involved in the cares of life that they are of little or no value in the Lord's service. Listen, we need to keep ourselves from the entanglements of this present world. Like Peter, we should be ready at any time to leave our tent existence to go to our home in heaven. And notice, though Peter faces death and martyrdom here, there's no despondency on his part in what he has to say. Now, Jesus referred to uh, Peter being martyred. In fact, go back to the Gospel of John in chapter 21, in verses 18 and 19. And there we are told, now this is Jesus addressing Peter. He says, when you were younger, Peter, 
you girded yourself and walked where you wished. You were free to go wherever you uh, chose to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you or bind you and carry you where you do not wish. And again, he's speaking of him being bound and martyred for his faith in, in Christ. This he spoke, it goes on to declare, this he spoke, Jesus, signifying by what death he would glorify uh, God. But nevertheless, here is Peter, he's facing death, he's facing martyrdom, but there's no despondency in what he has to say. There's no fear of the future. There's no self-concern. And with courage, he presses on, doing the work of the Lord. And he longs to make the most of every opportunity to proclaim the fundamentals of the faith. Is that our desire as uh, well? Is that our, uh, our, 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 the fire that burns within us to be able to share Jesus with other uh, people. You see, Peter is concerned about his legacy. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm concerned about my legacy as well. You know, it, it's a wonderful thing to receive correspondence from people who at one time attended Harvest Christian Fellowship over the years now that we've been in, in New York. And, you know, their lives and their life's experience have taken people, you know, from New York to other places. But they stay in touch and they tell us how much, you know, Harvest had really made uh, a difference in their life and their walk and their relationship with the Lord. And that's a part of the legacy of Harvest Christian Fell. That's a part of my legacy as well. And I want that to continue. I, I want that legacy to even grow uh, further. And so anyway, Peter here is concerned about his legacy. Notice there in verse uh, 15. And he wants to continue to encourage and challenge many uh, people. And shouldn't this remind us who have taken the name of Christ to examine our own motives and ambitions in life? I mean, here's the questions that I need to be that need to be answered. Why did God save us? Why are we here? Are we not His? And shouldn't we live for Him? Now, these are very important questions that must be answered. Father, we pray now that you would, Lord, uh, encourage. Uh, your people and those foundational truths, Lord, that they'd ever be before us, God, that we would never forget them. These things that are so essential in our Christian walk and experience. Father, we thank you. Uh, Lord, we pray that we wouldn't get uh, hung up or caught up in some uh, error, some false uh, teaching. God, help us to stay on the straight and the uh, narrow. Lord, help us to stay ever so close to you. God, we thank you, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my You've been listening to In My Father's House, a ministry of Harvest Christian Fellowship with Pastor Mike Venezio. Thanks for tuning in. Throughout the book of 2 Peter, there are two obvious themes, maturity and growth. As difficult as those two things can be, they're necessary as a believer in Jesus. After all, they're stepping stones to holy living. What is holy living? It's setting yourself apart from all that is worldly 
and living into all that is pure and good. Jesus knew this wouldn't be easy on your own, so the Holy Spirit was given to help guide you through the growing pains. If you're wrestling with growing in the ways of Jesus, you're not alone. If you're struggling to obtain maturity as a Christian, you're not alone in that either. This life isn't easy, and the world constantly throws temptations. But lean into Jesus, cast your cares on Him, and don't give up. You can do it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today to In My Father's House. You can explore more of these messages by searching for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll find directions and service times at harvestnyc.org. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? If so, you can do this securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for listening today to In My Father's House.